You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Everybody, welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. Of course, as always, I am your host, Charles Hamaker. Welcome to the year of 2024. I hope you had as good of a New Year's Day as I did. Of course, you can see we've got we've got a little bit of the winter classic flair going on, whether it's the the nice, the premium, uh, the sweaters that were on beautiful display yesterday that we will talk about, of course, um, at T-Bombal Park, or as you can see. My alma mater, the University of Washington, going to the national championship next week. Feeling great about that. A quick shout out to Mish Powell, uh, class of 2019 at O'Day High School. My my buddy of mine, uh, Millie Hopkins Jr., of course, as well. A few years younger than me, but a linebacker at UW as well. Super exciting to see the Huskies continue to move forward. An excellent day in the uh, realm of Seattle sports. It would have been an excellent weekend uh, if the Seahawks had been able to complete the trifecta on Sunday and Monday, of course. We'll get into that, but I wanted to start the show talking about that. We'll keep the Huskies hat on throughout the rest of the episode, of course, just because, you know, still living in the, the excitement of that realm there. But we'll start with our Seahawks, who last week, I talked to you about it. They controlled their playoff destiny. They had to win out. It wasn't going to be easy, though, because they were playing a Pittsburgh Steelers team that is also fighting for their playoff lives and trying to make their picture easier in the postseason. So, they were able to do that. The Seahawks ultimately fell to the Pittsburgh Steelers by a score of 30 to 23. Tough one, a frustrating one. The Seahawks defense continues to have its issues. Linebacker Jordan Brooks was not able to go in this game. So former Steeler Devin Bush took his place alongside Bobby Wagner on that defense. Uh, the Seahawks had several opportunities to try and bring themselves back into this game. As you can see, it was a one-score game. Ultimately, the defense wasn't able to stop anything. Uh, backup quarterback, Mason Rudolph diced up Seattle's defensive uh, defensive backfield and the running game of Najee Harris was really able to take control alongside backup Jalen Warren against a, a Seattle run defense that really hasn't been able to stop much at all this season. Uh, an issue that this has plagued the Seahawks team the last few years. Certainly frustrating considering the highs and lows of the current campaign for the Seahawks. They've struggled to be consistent. They've got a lot of talent. I mean, that was evident. Devon Witherspoon, this past year's fifth overall selection in the draft, continues to make splashes, including a big play where he came around the edge of a run play that was going away from him, and he was able to tackle running back Jalen Warren and slam him down to the ground, uh, just continuing to make splash plays, Devon Witherspoon is. But it unfortunately, you know, the rest of the defense not holding up their bargain. Uh you know, we'll, we'll get to other defensive players, but in terms of the rest of the game, you know, not, not the greatest performance as a whole for Seattle, whether it's the penalties, uh, stopping the, the opponent defensively, especially stopping opponent with a backup quarterback. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been frustrating and considering again, we'll mention it that you controlled your playoff destiny. So, I mean, Pittsburgh was able to do what they wanted, you know, 71 plays compared to Seattle's 49, uh, uh, 
almost 100 more yards on offense compared to Seattle. The penalties playing a factor again. It's just um, been something that Seattle struggled with under head coach Pete Carroll. The Seahawks not able to really run the ball effectively. Only 88 yards rushing as a team. Pittsburgh, 202 yards rushing as a team. So the Steelers were really able to take it to the Seahawks on the 31st, on New Year's Eve, and make it so that the Seahawks have to worry about other outside factors going into week 18 of the NFL season. Offensive side of the ball, there's not a lot to work with in terms of our player of the game. DK Metcalf had a solid game in this one, uh, passing over 100 yards uh, and really continuing to add to his career as he continues to move forward uh, as Seattle's number two behind uh, Tyler Lockett. But Geno Smith didn't have a bad game. He didn't have a bad game statistically, uh, completing 23 of his 33 attempts, 209 passing yards, one TD, 33 yards on the ground, including a big scamper late trying to move Seattle down the field. Uh, Red zone struggles were apparent in this one as well. 23 points isn't bad, especially against a defense that has the likes of a TJ Watt, uh, the likes of a Joey Porter Jr., just you know, settling for those field goals wasn't enough to beat this team. It also doesn't help when <laughs> your your defense isn't able to do much as well. So, uh, you know, looking at DK Metcalf as well. And, and this game also was a struggle on the offensive side of the ball because of the injuries. Red tackle Abraham Lucas left with a knee injury. Center Evan Brown left with a concussion. So you're without two offensive linemen, two of your starting offensive linemen against a pass rush that's been one of the better in the NFL and against one of the best defensive players in the NFL in TJ Watt. So uh, speaking on DK with his yardage in that game, he posted back-to-back 1000 yard seasons and his third 1000 yard season overall on the defensive side of the ball, our player of the game. I, I went with Leonard Williams. Uh, there were a few players. You could have looked at this Devin Bush, uh, former Steeler, as I mentioned, had a solid game, 17 total tackles in this one, filling in decently for Jordan Brooks, but you're still, you still felt the loss of Brooks and what he's able to do as a sideline to sideline linebacker um, and how he's really evolved in this season uh, for the Seahawks coming off of a season-ending injury last year. Leonard Williams, you know, despite the trajectory of the team's record since he was acquired ahead of the trade deadline, Leonard Williams has been a solid player in the Seattle front seven and, you know, in an ideal world, he'll be extended uh, this off season. So six total tackles, three solo, one sack, one tackle for loss and two QB hits uh, for the big cat. There likes to see him up the middle and, and causing some havoc. So, you know, we look at this Seahawks team and on paper, there's a lot to like, you know, Geno Smith coming off of a really strong year, comeback player of the year. He's still performed pretty well considering the circumstances and the context of this season. Seattle playing without their starting offense, many of their offensive linemen uh, that have started throughout the course of the year. It's been a, a, a circus of guys getting in and out there. The defensive side of the ball, I mean, there's a lot of talent to like, whether it's Devon Witherspoon, Quandre Diggs, Julian Love has made some splash plays as the season has gone along. Boye Mafe has had a strong year. Uh, Draymond Jones has started to make more of an effort has be, as he's been bumped outside on the Seattle line. Uchenna Nuosu, who the Seahawks are without, uh, and there was hope that he might be back for the playoffs, uh, is is out right now and is out for the season, but could be back again, as I mentioned, for the playoffs. We might not see him because they might not get to the playoffs. Um, it's just this team, it's, it's very unique. Uh, the struggles 
because you can't really pinpoint them to one specific area of this team. There are players who are giving their all effort. There are some who might not be. There are structural issues with this team as well in the way that they're running their defense. You know, a lot of players were wondering how the 3-4 would affect them. Former Seahawk Al Woods has talked about uh, the structure of this defense when he went to the Jets, and that's saying a lot going to the Jets. So there's a lot to be frustrated about with Seattle. I understand that uh, with the Seahawks team and a lot, it's, it's spurred a lot of people to ask for change um, in the Seahawks organization, whether it's the head coach, whether it's the front office, whether it's ownership and whether it's the personnel on the team itself, I can understand that. You know, I don't blame folks are saying, Hey, it's not working. We haven't been able to move past the divisional round since the team lost in the Super Bowl to the Patriots back in 2014. I can understand that if it, you know, you're becoming a broken record and you're not able to reach past a certain point, it's very frustrating. You might want to change things up. Maybe it's just a change is needed. Um, and so, you know, I'm normally not against the big change. I wasn't about it earlier in the season for the Kraken as they struggled and now they're hitting a bit of their stride, which we'll talk about. Um, but it doesn't necessarily not make sense for this Seahawks team. You know, maybe it's a change of mindset that's needed. You know, Pete Carroll has done an excellent job of creating a culture and fostering that culture. You're seeing it with guys who are coming back to Lumen Field to see this team and, and you know, be a part of it and, and offer advice and help when they're, where they can. But, you know, in terms of the defensive structure, maybe it's Clint Hurts just not working out as a defensive coordinator. The offensive side of the ball, you've been poor on third downs and you haven't been able to really be better uh, in the red zone. You know, these field goals, Jason Myers has been strong this season, but you, you obviously needed more later in the game. And as the game won down, you know, settling for the field goals just really kind of puts you out of this game as your defense couldn't stop anything. So, um, I think the primary issue here lies with the defense. You have to be able to stop uh, to be able to give your offense a chance, you know, when they're putting things together and as they're dealing with injuries um, and especially when you're facing a backup quarterback, maybe Mason Rudolph is that guy. I, I just don't really believe that. So it's really frustrating. And now that leads us to where the Seahawks need to look um, for the upcoming week, week 18 and how they can still make the postseason. A Seattle win and a Green Bay loss or tie is the most convenient option. Obviously, the Seahawks will need to win their game. That's step number one. But looking at Green Bay to lose their contest as well is what you're going to have to look for uh, next week uh, in the season regular season finale of the NFL. It's, it's another one of those issues that happened uh, last season when you needed the Lions to beat Green Bay. And that fortunately happened but we're in a different circumstance now um green bay will be playing the chicago bears the chicago bears are only one loss worse than the green bay packers uh, so that's not the most outlandish thing in the world uh the seahawks and the packers start at the same time that day so that'll be a fun uh scoreboard watch as that goes on there are two other scenarios though where seattle can make the postseason both of them involve a seattle tie which if you know Ties are quite rare in uh, American football, unlike traditional world football. So Seattle tie, a Green Bay loss, and a Tampa Bay loss or tie. Tampa Bay, we'll check on that. Tampa Bay is playing uh, the Panthers, and the Panthers are 2-14. and 14, So that's kind of 
improbable. And then the other situation, a Seattle tie, a Green Bay loss, you're seeing Seattle needs a tie and a Green Bay loss if it's not a Seattle win and a Green Bay loss. And a New Orleans loss or tie, and the Saints play the Falcons in that game, similar to the Packers. Uh, the Falcons are one loss worse than the, uh, the Saints. So that's not outlandish, but you ideally like to look at the top scenario, a Seattle win and a Green Bay loss. That's the easiest way to look at it. That's the most convenient way. I'm not banking on a tie. I don't even think we've seen a tie in the NFL this season. So that would be a first, and it would be in the regular season finale. So Seattle win, Green Bay loss. That's what you got to look forward to this upcoming week. Seattle's got to take care of business on the road in Arizona. So with that being said, the Seahawks sit at an 8-8 eight eight record. Uh, they sit at third in the NFC West, behind the 49ers, behind the Rams, uh, and they will play the fourth team in the NFC West by record. Uh, in week 18 of the NFL season, the regular season finale, January 7th at the Arizona Cardinals. That's a 125 Pacific time start on the road, as I mentioned. Seahawks win, Packers loss. So we'll see by the time that we get back to you next week. Hopefully that's a thing uh, that we're talking about how the Seahawks made it into the postseason, uh, where they're going to play, because we'll already know by then as the playoff situation will be figured out. The Seahawks would be the seventh seed in the NFC, the final wild card in the NFC. But, uh, you know, considering the way that this game against the Steelers went, it's not necessarily an optimistic feeling heading into Sunday. So normally we'd go to Mariners or Storm here, but things have been quiet in the Mariners. They signed Mitch Garver on uh, the 24th of December, and since then it's been quiet. There have been murmurs that James Paxton, former Mariners pitcher uh, last season with the Red Sox, uh, was in the Mariners' ownership box during the Winter, uh, Winter Classic. There's been no official confirmation of that. It would make a little bit of sense considering Seattle's pitching depth has taken a hit this offseason. Um, in the storm as well, it's still relatively quiet. Free agency does pick up here in the next few days and weeks. So we should be hearing more about that soon as our storm look to add to their core that's got Jewel Lloyd, got Jordan Horston, and Ezzy Magbagor uh, before the entry draft later on in this year. Uh, so things to look forward to there, but nothing else in those realm of teams. Uh, the Sounders as well. I know last week we talked about it, the potential of maybe adding some. There were rumors that uh, signings would finish up. Pedro de la Vega is reportedly a few days away from completing that deal, but there's nothing official there. So we will move straight to the Kraken. Obviously a big week uh, surrounding the Kraken the last few days, massive as well. But before we get to that, before we get to the festivities of the Winter Classic and everything that came with it, the past week of games included three uh, contests starting on December 27th on the road against the Calgary Flames, a team that the Kraken had only beaten once in their existence before. Make it twice as they defeated the Flames by a score of 2-1 to one on the 27th in the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Our player of the game making his first start in the National Hockey League since May of 2022. Chris Drieger. Drieger came back 37 staves saves, not staves, uh, a 974 save percentage, saving 3.39 goals above expected per evolving hockey. Chris Drieger was excellent in net. There was maybe thoughts of, hey, will he be able to handle this at the NHL level again? You know, it suffered a season-ending injury or a long-term injury uh, in the uh, World Championship a few years ago. 
well, a year ago, I apologize, and then had spent some time playing with the Coachella Valley Firebirds, the team's AHL affiliate, came back in and has been the team's backup as Philip Grubauer has been injured and has been was rock solid in this game. Uh, and it seems like Seattle can really count on their backup if need be. Uh, yeah, first start since May 1st of 2022 for Drieger. The Kraken get a nice road win against the Flames, something that's been really hard for them to do against Calgary. Both of the wins both of those two wins against the Flames in Seattle's NHL existence have come on the road in Calgary. None of them at home at Climate Pledge Arena. Speaking about Climate Pledge Arena, the Kraken returned home on the 29th of December, the last game ahead of the Winter Classic and the last game of the calendar year of 2023, defeating the Philadelphia Flyers by a score of 2-1 to one in over time Seattle had to overcome a deficit they conceded early uh, as the Flyers penalty kill the Flyers penalty kill has been great all year long uh, scoring a ton of shorthanded goals and they do that again here in Seattle uh, Kraken defenseman Vince Dunn ties it up in the third period with a bomb from the blue line uh, neither team able to go ahead so it sends us to overtime both of the teams get the standings point it wouldn't be Seattle who goes home with the loser point. No, they go home with both points as defenseman Justin Schultz, who has been an on and off healthy scratch over the past few weeks as Riker Evans has stayed up with the Kraken, uh, wins the game in overtime going five hole on former Everett Silvertips goaltender uh, Carter Hart and winning that game. Our player of the game, you're going to hear a lot of goalies. I apologize only a little bit. Joey, Joey Decord, strong in this one, 27 saves, a 964 save percentage, and 0.6 goals save above expected. Joey continues to be strong, and really his saves in this one kept the Kraken in the game and allowed them to be able to tie it up late in that third period and then win the game in the overtime period uh, to give the Kraken both points from that contest. So that led us, well, and then the photo of the game here by Liz Walter, you can see the bench reaction to that win. A rare emotion from head coach Dave Haxtell as his players got off the bench to celebrate with defenseman Justin Schultz ahead of that one. Uh, and just a really nice victory overall for the Kraken to defeat the Flyers and go into this game against the Golden Knights in the Winter Classic with momentum. An eight-game point streak, a four-game winning streak, they would continue that on January 1st, the New Year's Day of 2024, when they would defeat the Las Vegas Golden Knights by a score of three to nothing, a shutout against the reigning Stanley Cup champions in T-Mobile Park, a packed T-Mobile Park. In fact, 47,313 of you beautiful people packed the ballpark to witness history, the Kraken's first outdoor game, uh, obviously, in their three-year career. Um, and then just a magnificent celebration of Seattle sports teams uh, really started out strong in the first period. Ellie Tolvanen, a tip-in goal against uh, Golden Knights goaltender Logan Thompson. In the second period, a bomb from Will Borgen catches Thompson off guard to double the lead early into that frame. And then in the third period, Yanni Gord uh, strips Paul Cotter in Cotter's own defensive zone. Gord is then able to hammer home his own rebound against Thompson, snap his goalless streak, and help put an exclamation point as Joey Decord. I mean, we're going to keep talking about him, so please don't get sick of him. 35 saves, four number 35 in this win. He's our player of the game, of course. Uh, 35 saves, obviously the 100% save percentage, and 2.7 
goal 2.27 goal save above expected is the first shutout in winter classic history only the fifth shutout in outdoor game history in the nhl the sixth shutout in kraken history um and these third most saves ever in an outdoor game by a goaltender so joey decord rock solid one of those saves here made on jack eichel superstar jack eichel uh had a breakaway attempt the cord says no uh, Jack Eichel had another attempt, backdoor, wide open. The court said no with a brilliant glove save. And then our second photo of the game here, which there was a ton of incredible photos to look at. We will run this so you can go and check them all out uh, on our socials. Yanni Gord celebrates his third period goal to put the final goal on the scoreboard and really add the exclamation point to that one. So an excellent game day, an amazing, incredible atmosphere at T-Mobile Park and an environment that I'll never forget. Um, our player of the week is normally one person, but considering how well the netminders have done for the Kraken, we're going to split it. Joey Decord, as I mentioned, has been rock solid. 62 saves on 63 shots on goal in his past two contests played, helping the Kraken really, um, <laughs> since Philip Grubauer has gone down, out, down with injury, really been rock solid, has made all the saves except for the one, all the starts, pardon me, except for the one against Calgary for this Kraken team and has been a rock. <laughs> We've talked about it before. Head coach Dave Haxel rides the hot hand with his goaltenders, and it's been working with Joey Decord. He's been rock solid and has been everything that Seattle's needed in net as they've tried to win these tight games. On the other end of things, I had to go and give Chris Drieger his flowers. Drieger has had a really topsy-turvy career uh, in the NHL going up and down, dealing with starting and not starting. At the end of the day, he comes back. He's able to be a part of this Winter Classic. He was a part of the inaugural season. Head coach Dave Haxel said he's a part of this team as much as anybody. His big game against the Flames was massive, helping the Kraken win only their second game in franchise history against Calgary. So a massive week in the city of Seattle as they hosted the Winter Classic. There were a bunch of different events. Our Circling Seattle Sports and Converge family all over the map here in the Emerald City and the surrounding areas, uh, whether it be, you know, the fan village, uh, the rink build, the media skate was great. I did not fall. I promise you, I did not fall. I had to buy my own skates. It was, you know, it was incredible to experience all of that and to give you a bit of an idea about that. Wanted to show you um, the video that we got from the Tacoma uh, refurbishing of Verlo Playfield. This morning we are at a, just a quintessential Pacific Northwest morning down in Verlo Park in Tacoma, celebrating the groundbreaking for what will be the new multi-sport court down here, which is um, a partnership between Tacoma Metro Parks, Virginia Mason Franciscan Health, Wondery Foundation, the Seattle Kraken, and the National Hockey League. The City of Tacoma partners with Metro Parks on many, many projects, but this one is really, really exciting because of its connection with the NHL and the Kraken and everyone's excited about hockey. I grew up playing hockey, so I'm excited to see it here in Tacoma. I'm excited to get out there and play. The NHL and the Kraken really value the expansion of the sport and Metro Parks is really involved and really devoted to creating opportunities across the whole city, especially in underserved areas. When you go into a lot of communities, you don't see a lot of people of color playing hockey. 
It's about going into Tacoma. It's about going into South Park. It's about going into uh, communities that have not gotten a lot of attention and going in there and being intentional, making sure that everybody in our town, in our area has access to hockey. Kids need to have fun. Uh, you know, as a dad, I know my kids love having fun, and this is an opportunity for kids here to engage in something outdoors, to get physically active. Whether you make the NHL or whether you just like play street hockey, what you remember is the friendships and, and, and really the camaraderie you build through through sport. That's the foundation of a lot of our childhoods, and, and when you really look back on life, I mean, that's what's important. You have to have a good place and a safe place to be able to do that. The type of infrastructure that is fun and you know feel cool at it. It, it's special, it means something. I'm hoping the first uh, Tacoma native to play for the Seattle Kraken is on that court right now. That is what I want this legacy to be. To me, the long-term impact is that it's, it's people that are falling in love with our sport, yes, but they're also just making friends and, and creating their own set of memories that they're going to take through life. It's not just about being physically active, it's about experiencing joy and connection, it's about learning about teamwork and commitment and resilience and literally and metaphorically, you know, how to get up after you fall down. And these are all the things that help our young people become physically, mentally and emotionally healthier and stronger. And that is what we hope this sport cart will do. So you see a little bit about what was going on with the Winter Classic. Obviously, the game itself yesterday was a massive achievement in and of itself, but there was a ton going on around the city, whether it was the Fan Village, the refurbishing of the Verlo Playfield down in Tacoma. There's a bunch of different events going on right across the street, a Hatback Bar and Grill and Steelheads Alley and Victory Hall. There was a few different concerts. The Head and the Heart performed. Fitz and the Tantrums were performing. Uh, you know, they had different events all around the city. Uh, it's just one mass. This was essentially a little bit like the NHL's version of All-Star Week. All-Star Week and MLB is the marquee event in the regular season for Major League Baseball. For the NHL, it's the Winter Classic. Obviously, the NHL has its own All-Star Week, and that's great. But, you know, the Winter Classic, the way that Seattle responded to this week, there were Vegas fans there. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to lie to you about that. But the way that the Kraken uh, and, and the city of Seattle and the sports fans really showed out, this town has been a hockey town for years, dating back to the Metropolitans, you know, the Ironmen, the Thunderbirds, all of that stuff. It's all been here. But this and the Kraken, as of late, have really continued to amplify that and make that stronger. This hockey town has grown and grown, and this Winter Classic is only a testament to that. And it was so exciting throughout the course of the week, whether it was, you know, up at T-Mobile Park, showing you the rink build, you know, going out and talking to folks with the NHL like Steve Mayer and Andrew Higgins, uh, you know, being rinkside to talk to Jordan Everly and Jared McCann as they saw the rink for the first time practice day as the sun was hitting the rink uh, and the guys got to go out and skate on it for the first time. It was a remarkable weekend. I can't lie to you. It was excellent to be out here for it all uh, and to see so many you know, talented folks and individuals and work with so many of those talented folks and individuals uh, to cover Seattle history because that really was. And it wasn't uh, an exaggeration of what was happening. This was history for the city and the foundation of the Kraken as a whole 10 years from now, let alone 2030. This will be this event itself will be remembered because a winter classic doesn't come around uh, as often at all, really. So um, anyway, 
I digress. We'll get into some of the roster moves here for the Kraken as they continue to roll on. Right before the Winter Classic, uh, the Kraken on the 30th of December reassigned defenseman Riker Evansound to Coachella Valley. He had been getting third-line minutes uh, alongside defenseman Brian Dumoulin. And as I mentioned with Justin Schultz, Schultz, he had been uh, the player that had been getting those minutes over Justin Schultz as Schultz had been healthy scratch. But Seattle sends Riker Evans down to Coachella Valley. Had hoped we'd see him for the Winter Classic. Unfortunately not. Uh, Schultz has been playing well as of recently. Uh, and so Riker Evans will get more minutes down with the Firebirds. He'll get top line minutes, which is good for him as he continues to develop. But I really do think sooner rather than later, he will be a full-time NHLer uh, for your Kraken. So there was that move. And then earlier this morning, the Kraken placed defenseman Jacob Megna on waivers with the intent to reassign him to Coachella Valley. Same thing with Megna. He's been a healthy scratch. He was acquired last year at the trade deadline by the Kraken as a depth defenseman uh, as Seattle, you know, prepared for injuries that that didn't happen really. Megna only got into a few games last season. Hasn't appeared in any for the Kraken this year. Appeared in two earlier in the year for the Firebirds on a conditional uh, a conditioning loan. I apologize. This time around is interesting. Placed on waivers, he's a strong defenseman. You know, I'm not saying he's necessarily a lot better than any of the guys that are currently playing for the Kraken right now. I am saying, though, that don't be surprised if there's a possibility that Jacob Megna gets claimed by one of uh, these teams as he's currently on waivers. You know, there are teams who are strapped for cap space around the NHL, and they might need a defenseman. They might want to try him out and see what's going on. So it wouldn't necessarily surprise me a ton if Jacob Magna gets claimed. Um, so that's, that's just a risk you run when you're trying to put guys on waivers and when they've got different, um, different sort of things that they have to do to avoid being put on those said waivers. So that was it. Relatively a quiet week for the Kraken. Um, in terms of roster-related moves and all that sort of uh, sort of thing, you know, it wasn't necessarily a quiet week with all the stuff going on around the Winter Classic and such like that. But just to talk to you, you know, about where this team sits, you look at it, they've got a nine-game point streak, uh, which is the longest in franchise history, longest than longer than last year when they had the eight-game winning streak uh, and really started to sit the, set the league on fire. You know, a five-game winning streak in this one, having defeated the Golden Knights, uh, a team that, you know, uh, just a little bit older than them in terms of existence, the two youngest franchises in the NHL. Vegas has gotten the better of Seattle in their matchups over the Kraken's existence. Um, you know, the reigning Stanley Cup champions. There's a lot to be happy about right now. The Kraken are playing well defensively. They're structured. Special teams could be a little bit better, but... They're not as, you know, up and down dramatically as they have been throughout the course of the season. You know, you're getting guys back from injury. Andre Burakovsky is back from injury. I'm not going to stay healthy, Andre. Uh, Philip Grubauer has been practicing with the team as of late a little bit. He's been working up his workload. Chris Drieger, you know, you've, uh, you've got a reliable backup behind Joey Decord until Grubauer gets back and can take back his spot. Decord has been out of his mind lately in net for Seattle. The Gord, the Tolvin and Gord Bjorkstrand line is incredibly hardworking, and they continue to show that with two goals of the three in the Winter Classic. You know, the four lines seem to really be chugging things out. The Tatar addition to that Beneers and Eberly line has shown some offensive revelation. So 
there's a lot to be happy about with this Kraken team. And they're still without Jaden Schwartz and Pierre-Edouard Belmar at this current point in time as Schwartz is on long-term injured reserve and Belmar is on injured reserve. So there's things to be happy about with this crack. And, and Schwartz has been practicing as of lately as well. We saw Belmar over the past few days. He's been on crutches. So unfortunately, he's still continuing to work back um, from that lower body injury. But there's things to be happy about with this Kraken team. And I talked about it, you know, in the in the Seahawks segment of the show. It's why I wasn't so ready to make a big change, to fire Dave Haxtell, to make a big trade and, and you know, show these guys. I mean, I always thought that was a bunch of insert whatever word you want to use here. I'm not going to say it because we're on air. Um, you know, it just, they were playing good games. They were playing good hockey. They just had the unfortunate timing of a mistake you know, in the critical moments. And I just didn't think that it was a big change that was going to be necessary. You know, they sit at fourth in the Pacific division right now. They're one point out of a wild card spot. They're playing good hockey. They will get uh, a, a top impact player like Jaden Schwartz back. They'll have the depth for Pierre Edouard Belmar back, you know, so I, I did, this is why I didn't think that was necessary. They didn't make any big, crazy change. They didn't go and make a big trade. They didn't sign anybody outlandish from free agency. I know people wanted to see Phil Kessel. Um, it was just the belief, and you could hear that, whether it was Haxall saying it to the media nearly every game and every practice. It was the players as well saying the same belief and seemingly sharing the same belief. They're doing the right things. They just have to continue to do it, and the puck will eventually bounce in their favor. And now it is. And now you're seeing a little bit of it. I can't guarantee they're going to continue this point streak through the rest of the season. That's essentially impossible. Um, you know, it's just you're seeing it now. You're seeing what this Kraken team can be. They're different than last year's group. They're not going to outscore you to the moon. Um, but they're a strong defensive team. They still have that depth. Their goaltending is great at this current point in time. And if they're able to get the, you know, the special team units just a little bit ticked better um, and with more consistency, then they're a dangerous team that can make noise in the playoffs. These low-scoring affairs, these tight, grinding, gritty affairs are what you see in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So you know, if they continue to do well and they continue to put out these sorts of performances, Look out with all due respect, of course. So um, there's only one game for the crack in this upcoming week. Uh, they will play one more game at home and then they'll go on a long road trip. That game, as they sit at a 14 win, 14 loss, 15 win, I apologize, 14 loss, nine overtime loss record, sitting at fourth in the Pacific Division with 39 points on the season, is on January 4th. Thursday versus the Ottawa Senators, a 7 p.m. Pacific time puck drop. It is Jaden Schwartz bobblehead day to the first 10,000 folks in attendance at Climate Pledge Arena. They'll receive uh, a bobblehead of Jaden Schwartz, who is still on long-term IR. So I don't think we'll see him for his bobblehead night, which is unfortunate, but you never know. I've been surprised before. Uh, and then the Kraken will head out on a lengthy road trip as they look to continue the positive momentum moving forward uh, as we approach the midway point of the season. So before we wrap things up, before we close it out, I know I haven't had a Seattle Star of the Week in about a month, and I want to change that, and with good reason. This past few days has been incredible, and I'm still left in shock 
and awe and, you know, gratitude for what yesterday meant. So all of you who showed out, um, whether it was yesterday at T-Mobile Park, showed out with our coverage of the, you know, the Winter Classic and leading into it. I want to thank you, you know, for for all of the love and all of the appreciation uh, and just, you know, making yesterday's event such a historic day, a historic game and an incredible atmosphere that, you know, has the hockey world and the rest of the nation talking. You know, this is something that, you know, has kind of put the Kraken on the map and has helped further push their hockey relevancy forward. Uh, and just yesterday was a great celebration of Seattle and its sports teams, whether it was the fish flying in the entrance with pyrotechnics going off as the Kraken walked along the boardwalk to the rink. Um, Sir Mix-a-Lot performing as well during that part, performing at the first intermission. A bunch of different folks from Seattle sports teams uh, coming out during the second intermission. You know, uh, all of it, all of it was incredible to watch and really fun. So I want to thank you for your part in doing that and making these teams and these moments even more fun um, and exciting to cover. So that's it. It's January 2nd. We're looking forward to an exciting 2024 and beyond, uh, whether it's Circling Seattle Sports and Converge Media and, and for you know our Seattle sports teams. Until we see you next week. Back on the normal Monday. I know we had to change it the last few weeks to Tuesday because of things that have been happening on Mondays. I want to thank you and hope that you have a great new year and excited to have you join us for what we've got coming. I'm telling you, it's going to be really exciting, whether it's next Monday in the Huskies and the National Championship game or obviously the rest of our Seattle Pro Sports teams. But really excited to continue to bring a lot of dedication and effort to our coverage of this great city and its sports teams. So until I see you next week, take care of yourselves, be well, and do whatever you can to make today a great day. Love you. Peace. Take care. produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.